This is Hunting Land, the podcast for land hunters and landowners with real-time rut reports, waterfowl migrations, and how-tos for habitat management and land investing. I'm Joe Bay. I'm here with Clint Flowers. Clint, how'd your opening day go, man? Good, good. We, uh, I was lucky that I guessed the right spot to be and saw a lot of deer, saw several good deer, no shooters, but uh, it's a lot better than the alternative. We had a good good weekend. Well, I uh, I got to attend the uh, one of the adult mentored hunting programs that the state puts on, and I had a blast. I'm telling you, we got there around lunchtime, and they'd already been through some instruction on uh, firearm safety, and they even took them through like a crash course on just spotting sign, and you know, just hard for me to imagine when we grew up doing it, and you learn so much over the years, and you kind of naturally learn these folks are starting from literally zero knowledge of hunting. And they took them through, you know, basic woodsmanship skills, firearm safety, shot their rifles, got them, you know, honed in at around 100 yards. And then that afternoon we went out on a hunt. Had a really good day. Uh, We had five hunters, three of them took deer, uh, two bucks, one doe. It was awesome, man. It was just cool to see that excitement in somebody's face and just all those questions that we kind of take for granted and it was a heck of a time, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Yeah, but this weekend, the Ducks. Oh, yeah. It's opening up. Where are you going? I'm going up to the uh, kind of central Dallas County around the Safford area and hoping for the best. Well, we're going to give you a report right now on what's going on with the flyways here in Alabama. We're talking to Seth Maddox. Seth, what's going on on the Tennessee River? Oh, just got done with our waterfall surveys up there, so everything's looking good. Getting ready for duck season to open here this weekend, and uh, I think everything's uh, it's a magical time of year. What kind of numbers are we looking at up uh, on the Tennessee River chain? Uh, they're a little lower this year than uh, than our five-year average, but I think we lost a few birds in that last cold front. We had a good numbers up there earlier at the beginning of November, but a little cold front came through last week, and uh, we had a lot of rain in the past uh, week or so, and so... The birds are pretty spread out, but uh, good numbers up there right now for, for opening uh, season. Is there anything in particular to, to look for? You were talking about birds being spread out due to that rain. I'm, I'm guessing that's just more water equals more places for those ducks to go. Is there anything in particular that you noticed that those ducks were keyed on as far as a food source? Yeah, they uh, they look for those shallow water areas, freshly flooded areas where there uh, there's a lot of uh, aquatic vegetation or vegetation present. So finding those areas where these ducks are concentrated, pretty easy. But uh, you know, looking for freshly flooded areas, areas where it's not uh, usually open uh, to them, not accessible where there's water, and so those those ducks really key in on that uh, that vegetation. When you when you're doing those flyovers, are you able to tell what type of ducks you've got? Oh yeah, yeah. We can uh, we pick out species and uh, and total numbers, and so we had uh, really good number of gadwall, close to ten thousand on the Gunnersville Reservoir overall in Tennessee River. You know, we had about twenty thousand birds total, and so that's a little low for this time of year. But typically, when we have lower numbers to begin the season, we it gets better throughout the season. So I don't think migration is fully here yet, but uh, it's coming this way with the colder weather. That sounds great. Look forward to increasing numbers. How does it look along the uh, Alabama River down to the Delta? Yeah, the Alabama River is pretty flooded out too. Uh, same similar situations. Uh, lots of available habitat out there. You know, birds. Uh, a really good place to hunt over there is our David K. Nelson Demopolis WMA. They, they seem to have a good number of birds. Uh, lots of wood ducks usually. And then uh, you know, as the season progresses, we get uh, more migration and lots of dabblers coming over there. Lots of gadwall, green wing teal. So uh, right now it's looking pretty good, but it, it can only get better. 
Seth, you mentioned that that cold front. You felt like we lost some ducks. Tell me where do, where are the ducks that are on? You know, we're kind of on the eastern edge of the flyway. Where are they going? Are they going further south? Yeah. So typically, early in the season, when we get uh, you know the first push of birds, they hang out. It's kind of their stopping point uh, for a little bit here in Alabama. And typically, they they continue their migration south to uh, Louisiana or Florida. And so as we get birds later in the year, they typically hang out in Alabama. So this is this will be their final stop and wintering area. But the birds we get early, they tend to migrate on, continue on. Good deal. All right. Well, that's Seth Maddox, Migratory Game Bird Coordinator for the Alabama Department of Conservation Natural Resources. Seth, thank you for the update this week. Uh, You going to get out there after them? Oh, yeah, I'll be working this weekend, but uh, after the opening weekend, I tend uh, uh get out there a lot. So hopefully I get, get some good opportunities this year, but looking forward to it. Well, good luck out there, man. Thanks for the report. Thanks, guys. Well, Clint, hunting ducks, hunting deer, that's that's what I love to do. But, you know, the dream for me is, uh, is owning a piece of land to do it on. And uh, Trust me, I know. Yeah. I've heard it enough from you. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's the deal. So... Today we're going to be talking with Daley Thomas, and one of the one of the things we're going to cover regularly on this podcast is what the interest rate environment is. You know what what are the what are the dynamics in the lending world of lending, especially on uh, rural land uh, that we need to keep track of. So we've got Daley Thomas with First South Farm Credit on the line, and Daley, I want to know, yeah. man, you know where are we right now in terms of interest rates on land loans yeah guys well I, first i just want to you know thank y'all for having me on today i appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and kind of speak with you all about this um you know being in lending i'm kind of a interest rate nerd so to speak i, I keep up with this more than most um daily you're you're a nerd beyond uh just interest rates <laughs> and i really only invited you here so you can help joe to stop being a tire kicker and buy something <laughs> <laughs> i hear you yeah We'll, we'll get them on something. You, you get them on and I'll finance it. How about that? Sounds good. Uh, no, Joe, but to go back to your question, though, where we're at right now, everybody kind of knows the economy is doing, doing really well and how that relates to rates. We're in kind of a rising rate environment. You know, now they're still historically at all-time lows, not rock bottom, but, you know, they have gone up a little bit, but still historically they're, they're still pretty low out there and, and rates are still good, but they are increasing. Now – the rates on your loans, I mean, those are really trailing economic indicators, right? I mean, this isn't something that that's, can be forecasted necessarily, but um, but they are kind of indicative of what has happened in the economy, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Rates, interest rates, not just land rates, but, you know, really all rates in general are trailing or lagging indicators, um, basically what? confirming what you know some of the leading indicators have suggested well on a, on a macro level and a micro level what what influences those rates yeah all right so micro micro is a little tough to discuss as far as interest rates go but macro is fairly simple so you know you've got inflation um, unemployment GDP really your main economic indicators of the overall economy will kind of give you an idea of what interest rates are going to do. So if unemployment's falling, um, GDP is rising, you're probably looking at, you know, an inflationary economy coming up. And so the Fed might decide they want to start tightening rates to protect against inflation. So it's a good thing overall. That's right. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, 
consumer optimism is high right now. The economy is doing really well, but interest rates are rising, which is a sign of a good economy, but it also makes borrowing money more expensive. Well, Clint, I mean, you've been in, in this environment for a long time, so you've seen this, the swings and the changes. What, right. you know, what does it mean? So if we've got a, a rising interest rate environment, which it seems that we do, how does that affect buyers and sellers? Really, it boils down to buying power. If you've got a, if you're looking to spend, you know, a hundred thousand or a million dollars on on buying a piece of land, how far that carries you on a finance dollar in terms of acres potentially decreases. You know, timber values and outside values that come into that are always, you know, are always a variable. But overall, and, and daily interrupt me if I get too uh, too plain Jane with this, but the um, you can buy less at higher interest rates than you can at lower. That, right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, what about other types of loans, Daly? I, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about land loan rates, but are the interest rates the same, say, on um, on financing uh, equipment or financing land improvements? Uh, are those things all all one and the same? Uh, there, there's some differences there. Some of them are, are similar. Um, on most improvements, you're still looking at a fixed loan option of some sort, typically cured by the land itself. So those rates are going to be very similar to what you would see just on on the land itself. Uh, equipment's a little different just because of you know what you're dealing with from a collateral standpoint. Typically, you know if if you're securing a loan with equipment, it's going to be a little bit riskier and rates may be higher because of that. But you know if it's secured by the land you own, then there those rates will also be similar to what you see on the land. What about terms. So, you know, I'm talking the length of the loan, down payment on loan. What are we looking at in terms of, you know, financing rural land? Uh, and also you can get into those uh, equipment financing, things of that nature. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So terms, um, I'm with First South. First South Farm Credit, we were set up, you know, we're part of the farm credit system and our sole purpose is to have credit available for Farmers, uh, rural landowners, um, agricultural producers, that kind of thing. So we have the ability to go long term on our land loans. Um, We've got options all the way out to 30 years. Um, Really, I mean, we have an an, an option out there for for everyone um, all the way to 30, any combination in between. And, you know, we can set it up typically for what suits our customers needs most. As far as equipment goes, that we kind of keep those on a shorter term. You know, new equipment we can go out to seven years. Uh, used equipment try to stick to around five or so, just because of, because of the depreciation of that asset there. But other than that, yeah, I mean that's about it. Hey, Daly, I what I've seen as a trend with buyers and sellers right now is is really the the most savvy buyers and sellers, and, and again, it's on both sides are realizing and seeing these trends, and and especially if they're a little older people that have lived through the Carter years and have been through mm-hmm. these big swings up and down through the decades. They understand that if they're going to buy something or sell it, you know, because of the buying power issue, that they should go ahead and take advantage of these still historically low rates. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially especially the last five years or so, I think everybody has wanted some sort of longer-term fixed option. And, you know, where home rates have been, that's a, that's another good good discussion to have on this while we're at it. You know, land rates and home rates do not go hand in hand. You know, a 30-year fixed on a home, a lot of buyers or, or, or borrowers, so to speak, would, you know, they, they watch the news, they see where home rates are at, you know, four and a quarter or, or four and a half or wherever it is, and they think they could be, they should be able to get that same rate on a land loan for a 30-year fixed, and it just doesn't work that way. 
you know, now, and a lot of times I'll recommend to folks, depending on what their plans are, because I'm in the Birmingham market, so a lot of my borrowers want to buy land to eventually build a house on one day. And they know at, at that point they're probably going to refinance and try to roll their, their construction loan into a home mortgage and all with the land along with it. So a lot of them, a lot of those customers, they just want to do like a five-year fixed. We can set the loan up on a 30-year total term to take advantage of having that lower payment. But there's no the way I explain it to them is there's no sense paying any more interest than you have to if you know you're going to be doing something with it in the near future. Does that make sense? Yeah. And being customer centric like that is, an, I know it's important to you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That that's kind of my biggest selling point is, you know, there any bank can. I say any bank. Some aren't willing to, but most banks can have the ability to loan on land. Um, but this is just something that we specialize in, and and we have the ability to set it up and, and do certain things that other lenders can't to really be able to help our customers out even more. And your structure is different, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So like I said a minute ago, we're part of the farm credit system. And what that is, is we're, we're a cooperative. So everybody that borrows money from us is an owner in First South Farm Credit. And with that comes the added benefit of some programs that go along with the farm credit system. But we return a portion of our, our customers' interest to them each year in the form of a patronage refund payment. Now, it's not guaranteed, um, but as long as we're making money, we're going to be giving it back to our customers. Paid out 26 years running now. Is that at a set rate? I mean, what does that look like in terms of um, percentage? Sure, yeah. No, it's not a set rate. Um, You know, we can't guarantee them. It's determined the amount we're going to pay back is determined each year. Um, Some institutions do it differently, but usually, you know, it can work out to about a percent reduction in rate. I think I ran the numbers last year and we returned a little over 12% of our customers' interest expense back to them. That's a big deal too. I mean, if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at the overall numbers when you crunch them, just considering that you're getting about a percent back generally. I know you can't guarantee it, but Yeah. That's can't a, guarantee uh, that. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes uh Makes land even more affordable. I'm going to take that into my bank and show them that on my home mortgage and just see what they say. Right. <laughs> They'll probably laugh you out the door. Oh, yeah. Daly, talk a little bit about also, you know, land size. I know, I know we, you know, we're talking about interest rates and we have gotten uh, into why interest rates are a little bit different, but are they different based on the type of land? So, what I mean by that is if you've got, say, well stocked timberland. Uh, versus clear-cut land. Are, are the rates any different based on, you know, the inherent value that's on the land? Not necessarily, but they can be. Uh, interest rates are really a product of risk, so to speak, you know, what rate you can get on a piece of land. So every lender looks at, at their collateral as well. What if we have to own this one day and try to get rid of it? Right. Well, clear, clear-cut land is going to be a more risky proposition for the lender than say well-established timber or pasture land or, you know, residential land, that kind of thing. So that may come into, into account some there. I would say more so on the required down payment side of things. And, and to clarify here, clear cut is different than pre-merciable plantation. It could, exactly be, right. it could be young plantation, and, and that's growing in value with time as opposed to clear cut that's going to be left to naturally regenerate, and that's going to potentially go backwards in mm, value. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and clear cut, that, that might be a bad example because you, know, you, can all, you can go in after it's been clear cut and replant or convert it to pasture, that kind of thing. A better way to look at it might be 
land that's got a, a good bit of floodplain on it um, that makes it you know where you can't develop as easily or even reclaim strip mine land something like something along those lines well what about what about land size now uh, do you guys have a, a limit as far as how small you'll go uh, will you loan all the way down you know into the you know one acre of land or do you have you know 10 acres or anything like that yeah so our bread and butter is going to be that you know 10 acres or more we we typically say um i do have some programs for the smaller stuff uh acre two acre three acre lots there are some some restrictions that go along with that we kind of call those rural home sites and and to qualify for those programs that smaller track has to be in a rural area um typically outside of the city limits population requirements that kind of thing but we can handle we can handle those as well. All right. Well, Daly, we appreciate the update, man. Uh, I will look forward to checking back with you and keeping an eye on the uh, you know the dynamics here within the uh, the lending environment for land. We appreciate you uh, being on the show. If folks want to get in contact with you, how do they do it? Uh, yeah, y'all can you know they can go check out our website firstsouthland.com, or they can call me directly. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Uh, we've got offices. I think we've got sixteen locations across the state of Alabama. Um, as well as offices in Mississippi and Louisiana. And um, we'll be happy to answer any questions that anybody may have or work with anyone. All right. Thanks, Daly. Well, we'll check back with you soon. Hey, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Joe. So now that you've uh, learned all there is to know about land loans, are you ready to buy? Man, I've been ready to buy. When are you going to uh, give me my down payment? Yeah, I don't think he said anything about the secondary loan. <laughs> well, what we got next, Clint? Well, we've got Matt Brock on, the technical assistance biologist for Northwest Alabama. Maybe he can give us a little insight on uh, where you could pick up the best hunting land or the earliest rutting bucks so you can go ahead and get off that horse. Matt, we you cover Northwest Alabama. You've got Black Warrior, Black Warrior Wildlife Management Area up there on Bankhead National Forest. We've talked in the past few weeks about how right now peak rut is pretty much going down up there does it extend out into into the private land as well or is it mostly mostly the public it is mostly on the public land but we have uh we've also taken a few does over the years on private land adjoining the forest and the breeding dates there are showing about the same thing so uh, it, it does actually extend into uh, a lot of private land around the area well i know you got a good report from from the area what uh what's going on up there is it your conception dates are they right on is it peak peak uh peak rut right now yeah everything seems to be rocking and rolling just as normal talked to a few hunters and a lot of them experienced bucks chasing does um the bucks that were brought in had very dark stained tarsals and smelled you know like they were rutting and um pungent uh, what's that pungent yeah (laughs) they were pungent that's a good word that's a very good word but yeah they had uh 13 deer brought here 13 bucks brought in this past weekend which is a pretty good you know for one day of hunting and i saw some of the photos online y'all got some, there, man there's some nice deer on that Absolutely. Uh, on that public land some of the best in alabama i mean i guess they are the best in alabama the state record uh is has at least come from there before if it's not currently held by a deer that's killed off of that land is that right yeah actually the uh, state record archery uh, non-typical came from there and um within the last 10 years i've put my hands on several that scored between 190 and 215 wow so there's some incredible deer brought off that place and i I, when i worked out there i would tell people all the time if you want to hunt public land in alabama with the greatest potential to harvest a trophy animal that's definitely the place to go yeah world class Mm -hmm. well 
we've got a full moon coming up. So I know you've killed some big deer, Matt. We've got this full moon coming up. It looks like we got some hotter temperatures for a few days and then it'll cool back down. But, you know, with this full moon, how much thought do you put into timing that in terms of the particular time of day you want to be out there? I mean, obviously, I, we all know the more time you spend in the woods, the better your opportunities are. But if you had to pick, you know, say it's thanksgiving day and you've got four hours that you're being given a a pass to go hunt would you play it any different than just the standard you know early in the morning late in the afternoon kind of thing would you try middle of the day hunt yeah i've been taking um observation records for for a number of years now and it seems like on full moon days um especially when the the moon is above your head in the evening i just do not see that many deer but it seems to be really good mid to late morning into the early afternoon and that's when i typically prefer to hunt if i have the choice you know there's a lot of things going on during the holidays and running back and forth from this place to that place seeing families and things but if i had to choose and had the time i would probably hunt mid to late morning it seems like especially on public land with having a you know good many hunters out in the woods if you had a full moon period like this weekend it seems like a good strategy would be to position yourself in a place where the hunters moving around are going to hopefully kick some deer up and kick them your way. Uh, and also mm-hmm. be out there at a time that, that you feel like the moon is going to affect that movement and get maybe some more midday movement. I, I pre, I preach that, but I have a hard time doing, it. I have a hard time breaking myself out of that up. Oh, got to mm-hmm. get up early. Got to get out there first light. Got to, you know, got to be there right at dark. And, but I always talk about it every year. What about mm-hmm. as far as you know hunting those those exit routes? What what can somebody look for to to maybe position themselves in in that kind of place? Well, I typically try to find an area that is very thick cover located uh, by open areas because um, you know we as people we try to find the easiest route back out, and when we do that, we're going to walk the edges of thickets and things like that. We're going to bump deer around. And the deer are going to do the same thing. They'll hit the edges of those thickets and run down the edge of the thicket or maybe slip just over the inside, you know, 10 or 15 yards inside that thicket. So what I try to do is just get where I can see into some thick cover, and that has worked out really well. Well, Matt, as we uh, as we get away from Thanksgiving going into uh, going into the week after, how will things start to change? What what changes will you start to see on on Black Warrior and Northwest Alabama in terms of rut activity? Well, on Black Warrior, uh, I would expect to continue to see chasing until, gosh, the first week of December. And then it really begins to taper off. And that's when things begin to pick up in other areas of northwest Alabama. You know, we're starting to see a lot of scraping activity right now off of Bankhead. Um, Bucks are beginning to split up. And uh, for most of northwest Alabama, you know, that primary breeding period is going to be somewhere between Christmas and New Year's, slightly after New Year's. So things are going to begin to pick up here pretty soon in other parts of the of northwest Alabama. All right. That's Matt Brock, technical assistance biologist for the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Matt, thank you so much for uh, giving us an update on what's going on. We'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Have a good Thanksgiving, right. man. Thanks, Matt. You do the same. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap it up this week. Clint, what'd you take away? Well, the main thing I heard is that, you know, whether you're looking to buy or sell, you better do it while interest rates are still low. You know, this is an, an opportunity market right now, and that's going to decrease every time those interest rates go up. You know, that's just less land you can buy for the dollar. So better jump on it while you can. Yeah, now's the time. All right, folks. Do you like the show? If you do, 
subscribe, and give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you don't like the show or you'd like us to email it to you, drop us a line at pros at landhunting.com. And remember, that landhunting, no G.